so the first thing I said, well, you got to qualify lead. You got to make sure that they have the budget. You got to make sure that they can make a decision. They have a need or interest and that they have the urgency. Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. It's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy. I'm here with David Anderson. Now, uh, David is from uh, Nitro Sales Team, and we got in touch, I think it was through a mutual friend of ours, Liz, who uh, we're going to talk about some real estate sales. And anyway, we got chatting and almost ended up doing a business together in the real estate niche, which didn't come together, but then we chatted about a podcast. Now, David's a sales guy. He's a sales gun. And today we're going to talk about some pretty cool stuff like how he took his client from two grand a month to over $20,000 a month in just six months using some selling techniques. And we'll finish up with talking about how you can sell better in just three days, even if you really hate selling, because I know a lot of people really hate it now. Got some quick facts here about David. Uh, over 12 years of sales experience, started door-to-door sales at 14 years old. Man, that's young. Uh, lemonade stands, websites, card detailing businesses before middle school. Uh, he became actually the fastest sales rep promoted to team captain within six months in corporate, uh, a company that actually sold for $3.5 billion. So he's done some awesome stuff. He's also been homeless two times in his life to pursue his passions versus going the standard route. So uh, I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation and we'll get into some of the sales stuff very soon. But first... Uh, David, how you doing, man? <laughs> Good to be here, John. I'm doing great, man. Good to have you on the show, man. So uh, before we get into this specific this story about this guy from two grand to twenty grand a month, can you give the listener a bit more of a background on who you are? Yes, definitely. So you know, I've always been entrepreneurial since I was a little kid. I was I was slinging lemonade stands. Um, I created my first website before I even hit the fifth grade, and I learned how to you know make money from it. And when I was 14 years old, you know, I, I remember having this grand idea to start a car washing business when, uh, with one of my buddies in my neighborhood. And the reason why I was thinking of what, what to work is my stepdad, he worked since he was a young age, 13 years old, and said, you know what, when I was a kid, I was working, you need to start working. It's going to teach you good work, work ethic and just give me this whole, you know, lecture on, on why I have to start working. While, you know, here all my friends are playing sports, they're in clubs, they're doing all this fun stuff, they're living their childhood. So at that time, I couldn't really get a job being so young. I'm 14 years old, so I decided to come up with a car washing business with my buddy. And I tell my stepdad, I'm like all excited. I run over, you know, I run home. And I say, hey, hey, I got this idea. You know, why don't I just do a car washing business? And, you know, me and my, me and my friend here in the neighborhood will we'll just start um, washing cars. Well, he immediately slapped down that idea mm-hmm. and gave me this whole spiel about, hey, you can't do uh, partners. They don't work. You have to depend on yourself. <laughs> and I am completely just shattered it and, and took it up a notch. He said, OK, well, after your, your day in school, this is back when I'm in middle school. He said, you're not allowed back in the house until you get 10 new clients for the weekend. And he was serious about it. I would literally, after a whole day of school, have to go door to door and even go to the same doors if I had to and get them to sign up a, um, a car washing, you know, where I would drive to them. Well, long story short, the business ended up lasting for five years. Uh, by the time I was 16, I was publishing all these local magazines. Um, I was hiring my brothers, my friends, um, really building a business 
on the foundation of just going out there and getting customers. I didn't worry about setting up a website. I didn't worry about marketing. I didn't worry about all this stuff that, that a lot of business owners I currently work with um, get wrapped in. I just worried about going out and exchanging value, exchanging that dollar value. So that was kind of my first experience in, in, in entrepreneurship. Um, fast forward a couple years, you know, I went to Florida State University, Seminoles over in Florida, and I got three degrees and I kind of lost touch with my entrepreneurial side. At the time, I remember all my friends and, and all my colleagues, they were really trying to get the internship or trying to get the job. And I actually tried to start another business and I just miserably failed. I, I had a serving job at the time. I graduated. I was depressed. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. So I sold everything I owned. I traveled the United States going from Florida all the way through the US, all the way to California, up to Denver, Colorado, where I had family. Mm. And I just started from scratch, literally started from scratch. I dived into a corporate job within a few months, became a sales rep. Um, within six months, got promoted to team captain, was training other sales reps, were, were interviewing new sales reps. I mean, this is this is a company that, again, they were they built their business based off their sales floor. And I got to really experience that. Being in that corporate job for a couple of years, you know, it was fulfilling. I learned a ton, but the entrepreneurial itch was was eating me. It was just it was eating me alive. I was like not following my passion, my my desires, the things that I've learned as a kid, you know, work for yourself. So one day I remember talking to some of my clients, real estate agents, as I sold online marketing packages to real estate agents, and they were talking about wanting web design. And they were talking about wanting SEO and all this great internet marketing stuff that, you know, you understand, John, and uh, I understand. And at the time, I was actually networking a lot. I was joining all these forums, all these online groups, these blogs, reading blogs like, you know, The Mick Method, um, reading blogs like Sean Ogle or um, Tropical MBA and joining these groups and seeing all these guys that are traveling the world. I, I know you're out in Medellin, Colombia right now, for example, yeah. you know, you're, you have an online business. And really seeing the, how, how awesome it was. So I remember I had that aha moment when I was sitting on a phone call with one of my real estate agents and he was literally like, I want SEO, I want a website, I don't want what you're trying to sell me. And then it just clicked. I'm like, well, the last six months I've been networking with all these web developers and, and internet marketers. I'm like, so I just, it just clicked right there. And I said, okay, well, I'm on a recorded call. I, I can't talk about this at my job right now, but Let's connect on LinkedIn. I'll give you a call um, later today. And that was my first pitch outside of the company. And then when I realized, hey, I can just sell all this great stuff on my own. I don't have to work for a company. And that's when I took a 12-week unpaid leap of absence, um, started my own venture. That was now two years ago. And the more and more I dived in to the internet marketing world, the more and more I realized um, a lot of business owners really need help with the sales side of things. You know, you can be a great internet marketer. You can be the best craft, you know, person at your craft. But if you don't know sales, if you don't know how to build a sales process, you're not going to get new customers. You're not going to bring in revenue. And, and realizing that pain point, that's why I'm where I am today. And I started uh, nitrosalesteam.com to help business owners on the sales side of things. Mm, okay. One thing I'm really curious about, and I think other people are going to be curious as well, is a lot of, I've even go so far to say most people do not like sales. Like whether it's knocking on doors, doing phone calls, uh, whatever that, even cold emails is, is hard for a lot of people. So most people have this, and not just a bad feeling around like, oh, I don't want to sell it, it feels sleazy, but it, like, it literally makes them 
uh, anxious. It's, it's yes. really, really uncomfortable. So it sounds like you, yes. you have, I don't know whether it's because you started young or you just had a natural sort of natural, you just really enjoyed it. What do you say to people when they're that sort of person? There's someone who literally doesn't like say it. They don't like sales. It rubs them the wrong way. It makes them feel anxious or whatever. They just hate it. How do you, what do you say to those sort of people when you're trying to get them to not just believe in the power of sales? Because there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of people who believe in sales, doesn't make them feel any better about it. So how do you yes. resolve this? And then that's a great question, John. The first thing I want to point out is you're, you're selling yourself every single day. If you really think about it, if you're trying to get a job interview, if you're trying to ask a girl out on a date, if you're trying to get negotiate a deal, if you're trying to do a podcast right now, just, just getting people, selling people to get interviewed on your podcast, right? Yeah. Or getting your podcast, you're always selling yourself. So it is something that you're going to need. Now, people that think it's this big anxious thing that you got to fear and, and, and feel anxiety and feel bad about. Yeah, I get it. There's, there's a difference between salespeople that are the bad salespeople that are just trying to get your money versus a real salesperson that is out there to exchange value. Now, the trick is to look at sales as a way to properly communicate your value. That's all you're doing. Good sales is really just getting out there and being a go-giver, not the go-getter. And I think if you can switch the mindset and realize how powerful it is, how, how much you can really benefit the world by properly communicating your value, you're going to have a much better experience, not just for yourself, but for the customers you try to reach out to. That's, that's the first thing I can say. The other thing is, well, if you, you know, if you totally want to be broke and just not make money, you know, not get yourself out there, then yeah, go ahead. Don't bother learning sales. Mm, there's definitely this thing where, I mean, if you just utterly refuse to do sales, then yeah, you're not going to get very far in business. It is a skill you need. So there's this yes. interesting aspect of where, I mean, if you don't want to do sales, sometimes like when you're just getting started, you're going to need to do some of this stuff yourself. But at a certain point, you're going to be able to hire salespeople to do this stuff. Exactly. It, yes. Sales is, I think one thing that's taken me a little while to understand is that sales is very different to entrepreneurship. Sales is sort of like a technical skill, much like uh, going and, um, you know, building a, building a table or writing emails, you know, copywriting. They're, it's yes. sort of like a technical skill. It's designed to fulfill a very specific task. An entrepreneur, on the other hand, while sales is a very useful skill for an entrepreneur, and entrepreneurialism or being an entrepreneur requires sort of much more of a generalist attitude where, yeah, you can do a little bit of sales, but you're going to hire someone to do that sales as soon as you're out of that, as soon as you've got some momentum. Yes, I totally agree. So, all right, well, let's get into this story that we, uh, that we mentioned with the, how you took your client from two grand a month to 20 grand a month. So tell me a bit about, obviously, we've got a bit of a before and after there, but give me a bit more information on who was his client and why, you know, what was life like when he was only at $2,000 a month? Yeah, and it's interesting you just brought out the whole, you know, separating sales and then eventually hiring a sales team because that's what exactly this story portrays in perfection that I remember when I, you know, I left corporate and I'm out here doing websites and doing internet marketing. Um, I teamed up with another guy who's doing similar things. His expertise was more graphic design, videography, photography, um, doing web design, but doing more of the artsy type of things, the creative side versus I kind of had more of the, the copywriting sales consultant type of mindset. Like, how do we do conversions? He's talking about, well, how do we make it look pretty? How do we make it look beautiful? How do we show the story in a creative way? So you can imagine the personality type of this guy, very artsy, creative. Uh, he's the type of person that would spend, would rather spend his day really making something look beautiful versus going out there hustling and, and, and building a business system, right? 
So I noticed this immediately, right? Um, his, it was very, he was very unorganized when it came to his packages. And as, as you know, John, it's very important to have these structured products or packages, productized services, whatever you want to call them, and introduce it to your market if you want a consistent amount of, of customers, a consistent amount of revenue. So that was one of the first things we tackled. You know, this guy is literally pulling in just a couple thousand dollars a month you know, maybe a worthy freelancer rate. He was, he was, I wouldn't call him a freelancer. He had some team members and stuff like that, that he worked with, but he didn't really have a business system, but he dreamed he's the type, he's, he's the perfect client, right? Cause I love working with the guys that are so passionate. They're so skilled at what they do and they have those big dreams. You know, they dream big, but they just need help with plugging some of those tactics, some of those processes, right? So the first thing we did was let's package your services, right? So if you're doing video, let's create these video packages and then raise the rates. I remember he was trying to sell web design, for example, I think for like less than a thousand bucks. When really in my market, I discovered there's people paying 10 to 15,000 to, I know web developers that that charge a hundred thousand up. So the price point wasn't there. So I think after organizing those packages and what I call making your product more sellable, easily chewable so that if he goes into a sales presentation, he can now, uh, the way I like to describe it, instead of saying, okay, this is like some complicated marketing thing that I'm selling you. I want the business owner that you're trying to sell. I want it to be no different than if he walked into a restaurant and ordered a cheeseburger, he could pick all the, che- all the toppings. So a, a hamburger, uh, the, the type of meat, the, the cheese, the, the bacon, the lettuce, tomato, onions. These are the toppings I want. I want your presentation to be that simple, that someone's walking in and they feel like they're ordering a cheeseburger. So that's, that's just one technique, right? Making it chewable, making, packaging those services, making it easily digestible. Right. Very cool. Okay. And how- that was step one. <laughs> okay. So that's step one. So what happens next? So um, the other thing, actually, that's step two. Step one is learning sales, right? When I, the first step is actually, I go through a three-step process, right? It's first learn sales. You got to learn techniques. Like you said, learn the craft, like building a table, okay? There's certain things you need to say on a call to really trigger someone's emotions, to really dive in deep versus just yapping, 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 and just just coming off as needy, okay? There's a difference of, of just talking about yourself versus truly selling someone and asking smart questions. So that's step one. Step two is, is building your sales process, making it more sellable. Step three is scaling, building that sales team, motivating other businesses or other sales reps to go out and preach your product. So uh, we talked about step two. Step one is learning sales, okay? So one thing I noticed with Carlos, is um, Carlos is the business owner, right? That I helped. He would go into sales meetings and he would just yap. He was a good talker. He was good at just hyping people up. He knows just how to smooth people. He, he, He can have a good conversation. He can sit in a sales meeting for two hours, but when it came to close, he was not closing the deals. He was not asking the right questions. So the first thing I said, well, you got to qualify lead. You got to make sure that they have the budget. You got to make sure that uh, they, they can make a decision. They, they have a need or interest and that they have the urgency that this person truly needs what you have and they need it right away and they can afford it. So what I would do is go through, I would actually sit down with his meetings. He would say, oh, this is, you know, this is my uh, president of sales or this is my sales consultant, um, you know, here to help with the meeting. And we would just dive in and I would just analyze him. I would just listen the whole time. And then after it, 
I would give him notes on how he can improve better. So that was that was the step on learning sales. Okay. Okay. And then, so what happened? I mean, as a result of this, I know we got the two grand and 20 grand in six months, but walk me through some of the change as this happened. Or as he implemented some of these strategies? He literally transformed. I mean, to this day, he still calls me. I mean, this is now over a year ago. You know, um, I helped this guy within six months. I've been working with him for about a year and a half. And he'll still call me to this day and be like, oh, you know, like, telling me about a sales pitch that he just did. So what I've noticed is when he gets into a sales call, whether it's a, a sales meeting in person or does a consultation, and he'll pitch packages anywhere from 3000 to 20000 to I think he's even pitched a couple six figures. I don't know if he's closed any of those big, big ones, but he's at that level now. He's completely just switched. He, he, he uses the sales tactics. He asks engaging questions, and he's not scared to ask for the sale. I think a lot of business owners, a lot of people out there, they, they're just scared to ask for the sale. Absolutely. I mean, this is one thing. I was working with someone recently. I mentioned this. Um, I'm working on a deal right now with uh, a, cl- well, a prospect, really. And uh, when I was chatting to, I'm working with actually another sales guy, the sales coach for some of my stuff. And I remember we were talking about the pricing. And uh, the pricing for this deal uh, is like mid five figures. And I remember when I was asking him, how do, you know, how do I deliver this price? And uh, the interesting thing was he said, well, you don't even, maybe you've got a different take on this, but his, his advice was basically yeah, treat yeah, the price like it's, a, uh, like it's a non-issue. So go through the presentation, I've got a slide deck, mention the price, uh, and then just move on to the next slide as though it's just another detail in the whole thing. And then the slide, uh, well, the, the thing after the, the spot where I give him the price is basically a, a little spiel on here's the payback period. So if we set this whole funnel up for you, here's how long it's going to, here's how many sales you're going to have to make before you actually uh, recoup your investment and start turning a profit on this exact thing. And the way it's all framed up is that he's going to make back his money very, very quickly. Um, yes. So it's interesting that the price, like, you know, I've always looked at, I've struggled with this. Um, I remember nine months ago, I started working with another guy, uh, John Logo, who's been on this podcast before, to refine some of the sales process because I was, I was really having trouble like, you know, putting a number on, you know, putting a large number uh, on, you know, a large price on my services because I, I think a lot of people uh, dramatically undervalue what they're offering. They don't know what the true value of what they're offering is. Uh, and it's so funny because once someone tells you what it's worth or tells you what the market's paying, you intellectually get it, but there's still such a strong emotional resistance to going out there and saying, look, it's going to be $10,000 when you're used to saying 1000 um, yes. And I found yes. this yesterday. I was chatting to another friend here in Medellin who's a personal trainer and he also does some Instagram consulting and he's basically got someone right now who wants to hire him for some paid consulting. He's never done it before so he's got no idea what to charge. And he asked one guy and the guy said, well, charge, you know, charge him 100 bucks an hour. And, and he was like, wow, that's a lot of money. And I spoke to him. I was like, man, you should be charging at least 200, maybe even 250 bucks an hour for this. And I could see in his body language in his face at the time, it was sort of like, it, it wasn't going over his head, but it was definitely like a shock to his worldview that he, did, he doesn't get it yet. And I don't know how long it will take because you know, we all have our own journeys to take. But it's so funny that we, I think as people, price activates some, like when it comes to charging and mentioning the price or how much something's going to cost, most of us have this weird, this really strange emotional hang up with it. Yes. Yes, we do. And, and the biggest advice, you know, because I, I deal with a lot of business owners that are growing, right? So they're continuously increasing their price. So the first thing I would say is write that price down. I mean, if, you know, put it on your website, put it somewhere um, that it's displayed no different than if you went to McDonald's, right? You went to the fast food place and you looked at the cheeseburger, you saw a big sign outside said 99 cents. Well, you can't go through the drive-thru and just look at the guy and say, well, can I charge, can I pay 80 cents? 
you know? No, the price is 99 cents. And thinking on a bigger scale, even if, you know, you don't have a website or, or you're, you don't have anywhere to display it, write it down. Write down the sentence, you know, my so-and-so product costs, let's just say $10,000 or $100,000 or $5,000, whatever that price is, write it down in a sentence and solidify it. And I think once you solidify it and say, this is the price, you're going to come off more confident because the second you say a price and you, and you don't have that confidence, you, you, you stutter, that other person is immediately going to, they're going to notice it versus if you own it, you have it written down, you state, this is my price, right? And own it and say it confidently, you're going to have a much different conversation with this person. And if you did a good job stating your value, for example, you say, okay, you're going to make this money right away. Um, you know, doing an autoresponder, like you were just talking about, John, if you see the value, they're going to do what it takes to, to, find the budget. Even if they don't have the budget, they're going to find a way to pay for it. It's no different than, you know, example I use is when think of the last thing that you really wanted to buy something that you just had to have. Maybe it was a car or maybe, you know, if you're an internet marketer, it's a MacBook. You know, a lot of internet marketers, especially um, travelers, location independent, nomad, digital nomads, they love their MacBooks. And I guarantee you, they couldn't afford that MacBook right away. They might've they might have had to save up or pull out a credit card or ask their parents for, uh, for some money or figure out a way. If you really properly communicate that value and really show that you mean business, that price should not matter. That person should struggle a little bit when you say that price. And that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, it's funny the game, like the, how this works is I've had times when I've mentioned a price on the phone and yes. then I've had, I've, as far as I know, oh, maybe, I, maybe I said it wrong, but I would have to mute the microphone so then I could basically chuckle, to, like I, I would be forced to laugh. <laughs> like I had so much tension, uh, in emotional tension when I said the price, I'd have to mute it because then I just burst out laughing to myself like I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> that is a really good technique. I did that back when I was in corporate. Um, putting second you say price, you need to shut up. And if you have to mute the mic, do it. So, so I actually love that technique. You, that's exactly what you should be doing. But I thought it was interesting too when I was chatting with the other guy about how to put together this um, this pitch deck, which is basically what it is. It's basically a Google presentation with which yes. runs through the the details of the proposal. Okay. And then at the end, he was like, you know, when you say the price, because I used to think you've got the silent close, which is see that here's the price. Then you shut the hell up and you wait for them to say something. And then he, he was actually saying, well, don't do that. What you do is you just say the price like it's another detail, like it's any other detail on there. You're basically saying, here's the price. Here's how long it's going to take. Uh, here's, the terms, here's the terms and conditions like when it needs to be paid by and everything like that. All right, next slide. You don't even wait for questions. You don't wait for anything. Then you go straight to the next thing. So you treat it. The way is to basically cultivate this. I think trigger it. Well, you don't want... Like sort of like if I treat the price as a big deal or if, or if the person, if you, when you're pitching, I treat the price as though it's a big deal, the person that you're talking to is going to think it's a big deal. But if Exactly. You They're going to pick up on it. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You need to be able to just say it. And again, that goes down to having it written down. So whether that's on a presenta- uh, presentation deck, whether that's on your website or you literally just write it down on a note- notepad, just to have that price down and just to keep saying that price until you confidently can say it. Yeah. So... With all that said, I mean, sales, I think find this whole topic absolutely fascinating. But so with all that said, so we talked about like taking the client from two grand to 20 grand a month in six months. So let's, let's just, just to sum up that there, what, are the, what were the main, let's just run through the techniques again. What did you do with this guy as a summary to take him from two grand a month to 20 grand a month in six months? Definitely. So step one, learning sales. You got to go in, you got to ask good questions. Um, you got to know how to qualify a lead. 
right? And those are all things that I cover. Um, I even offer that stuff for free on my website. I, I tell people how to qualify a lead, right? There's, there's certain things you got to figure out. Um, building rapport, right? That's all about knowing sales, knowing how to really tap into someone, asking good questions. If someone tells me, I would rather a business owner or a sales rep write down a list of questions, very engaging questions, maybe 10 to 20 questions versus writing a sales script. Because what you find in sales is it's all about listening. It's all about getting the other person to open up. Yeah. So that's the biggest advice I can have uh, give you when it comes to learning sales. Okay. Um, step number two was building the sales process. That's when we actually sat there, looked at all the products and packages, priced them higher. We actually priced them higher, but then organized them. Uh, let's say package A, package B, package C. We, we named them. I think it was, if I remember right, uh, the pioneer package, the executive package, uh, the elite package. You know, we came up with these cool names something that was very relatable to the customer we were selling because the customer we were selling doesn't understand all this internet marketing stuff, uh, how to develop a website or do anything. They just want results. The thing is customers, they just want results. Don't focus so much on the product or the service. Focus on the results. Focus on what you can deliver. And I think when you have that type of conversation, Return on investment. If you're doing business to business sales, if you're doing an autoresponder, you really need to dive into return on investment. I would be talking about that probably the majority of the call when you're the meat of the conversation. Um, um, having those sales scripts, again, you, you can have a script, um, building a list, right? Having your target market, knowing who you want to reach out to. Okay, knowing your perfect customer and how do you reach out to them. So building a list, whether you are cold calling them, cold emailing them, um, LinkedIn is LinkedIn is a great tool. We get a lot of customers that way. We literally just find business owners we want to talk to and we connect with them on LinkedIn. It has a picture of yourself, so it's a little more um, personable than, than an email. So whatever you can do to build your list and reach out to that list, that's all about building your sales process. Mm. And then step three is scaling, right? This is where you want to, once you build that sales process, once you build that list, you build that script, you come up with basically a systemized process that you can replicate and hire other people to do the same. Now you have scaled it and then you as a business owner can step away. So as far as the scaling, you know, you want to be able to have that script written down. You want um, that list. You want that process, the emails, everything that you do in order to, to get those customers in the door. And then you want to come up with a good compensation plan, you know, whatever percentage, you know, um, a performance-based plan where every time this rep gets a lead or closes a deal, you're now paying them and then they're motivated to continue to bring in business. Yeah. Yeah. One thing on the B2B side of it, and this took me a long time to get, is I'd get on the phone with people and I'd never ask them what their current revenue was, what, how much money they're making for a customer, what their profit margin was, uh, or you know, how much volume they're doing. And uh, I, used to think it was, like, I used to think it was like a personal question that uh, people don't really want to give away that information. And some of them don't, and some of them won't give you that information. But generally speaking, most people are happy to talk about that, especially when they're getting on the phone to talk to you about some sort of business problem. And so the, the catch is that unless you know how much their revenue is, what their profit is, how much, you know, what their profit margins are, the size of their database, the, you know, how much volume and sales they're doing, until you know that information, you're literally shooting in the dark when you give them a price. Because if you don't know that information, you've really got no idea whether they can afford $5,000 a month or $10,000 once off or whatever the price happens to be. So you have to, you know, and by the same token, you might be quoting them $5,000 a month 
when they really want to be spending $25,000 a month or even, you know, maybe more. And so there's this one thing that I learned that's, you know, made a huge difference over the last six months is now one of the first things I do when I get on the phone with someone and they tell me about their business, I get them to tell me about their numbers. So how many sales are they doing? How, what, what's yes. the price? What's the uh, revenue per sale? Ideally, what's the profit margin? Um, you know, and how many, say how many sales are they doing every month? So then I can basically look at it and go, all right, so based on all these numbers, we set up a campaign right here, and we're gonna, if we increase this by 20%, you're gonna get, and you say in very specific terms, you're gonna get X amount of dollars return on this. And therefore, if the, if the return's like, well, it's $100,000 right here, well, then it's like, well, the price, it's $15,000 to set it up. And then you can say, well, look, based on these numbers, you're gonna make your money back in three weeks. So 15 grand is really not a big deal. It's like a chump change at the end of the day. And you just get Yeah, so what you're talking about, Yep. Sorry, John. Yeah. And what you're talking about right there is qualifying the lead. You're qualifying to see what is in their budget. Because I've been there too, where you go in, you ask what their budget is, and then you find out, whoa, it's actually a lot more than I thought. And now you feel much more comfortable. Versus if you're talking to a business owner and they're like, okay, I'm making, uh, I'm just starting, I'm making a thousand bucks a month. You know, you're not going to be able to sell them a $50,000, $10,000 product autoresponder. So what you're talking about, John, is qualifying that lead, really discussing about budget, if a business owner is not comfortable about it, uh, I, I've just from my experience, I found one or two things. One, I'm not building enough rapport. I'm not getting them to trust me. But two, this is what I usually I see is, is they're not a good business owner. They're not serious. They're not if they're not willing to talk about revenue when they're talking to someone that's going to help them bring up their revenue, then it's probably not the type of client you want to be working with. So I would say Every single call, if you're doing business to business sales, you need to talk about return on investment. You need to talk about what they're pulling in. And there's some different ways to ask it. You can simply just say, how many customers are you getting per month? How many customers would you like to get per month? Okay, how much do you, what's the average price per customer? And now you just got the revenue without directly asking them what's the revenue. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating too. You can also do it where I mean, there's roundabout ways to do it like that. Or it's yes. another thing like this price where... A lot of times, like if you act nervous or you act like it's a big deal when you're asking for their revenue, they, they're going to think it's a big deal as well. If you just ask it like yes. it's a matter of fact, you ask everyone this, it's just a matter of like, and I usually say, look, look just to get an idea of what, you know, what level you're at with the business, what's the revenue? And so just pre-frame it. Like, look, before I can help you, I need to know exactly where you're at. If you're a million-dollar company, that requires a different approach to if you're a $10,000 company. Yes, and if you are – because, again, you keep, you keep saying bringing up a very important fact, John, that people are going to pick up on the tone of your voice. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. Mm -hmm. So in order to fix that, in order to improve how you talk about price or how you bring up a question, right? Just, you have to prepare. You have to, if you have to, role play. I get a lot of people that go through my courses, I get them to call each other and literally pitch each other. I get business owners to pitch me all the time. And what that does is it helps them just get it out, spit it out and get much better. They get more, much more comfortable to the point where, they get into that sales conversation and they don't even think about it. They're just doing what they already know. So preparing, role playing, and just getting it down is going to really help the confidence, the, the, the tone of your voice when you are asking those questions, when you are on a sales call or sales meeting. 100%. 100%. All right. So I think we're right on time here. So let's wrap it up right around here. I think it's a good note to end on. But before we go uh, – Let's just touch real quick on this, how to sell better in three days. Can you run me through like, let's say three, what's the three biggest tips to sell better in three days, even if you hate selling? Yes, definitely. Yeah. So I actually wrote um, a guest post about it. I, I work with a lot of business owners that, you know, they're just starting off. 
they they have a lot of trouble when it comes to sales. Like you you mentioned, they might even hate selling. So I literally wrote this whole post about it, um, writing a book about it as well. How to sell better in three days, even if you hate selling. Right. Yeah. Um, so the first tip that I can recommend to people, you know, something that you really should be working on is building your prospect list. Okay. Building your list, getting your, getting, getting contacts. And there's a difference between a cold call versus a warm call. I like to call them warm calls. I like to create campaigns that start a warm situation versus just calling someone out of the blue that you never talked to. So what do I mean by a warm call? Um, you can go to a networking event and get a list of people. You can join a meetup or some type of forum or some type of group. And if you can get all their contacts, now when you call them, you can say, hey, by the way, I'm part of this group as well. So for example, one of the best call campaigns we've ever created was joining a local chamber of commerce. And what we do is we call business owners and say, hey, we're calling because I notice you're a member of the chamber of commerce. So are we. And we're offering all other members a complimentary consultation, you know, and then we'll just chat about, you know, why did you join the commerce? Why did you join, join the group? You know, what, what are you trying to get out of it? And then we, we, we would dive in saying, hey, would you like a complimentary consultation, by the way? We're going to review your entire marketing platform. We're going to see the low-hanging fruit that you're missing out on these opportunities to get more customers. Would you be interested in a, in a 30-minute consultation? Totally free, no obligation to buy. It's all educational. And so far, every time I've gotten a hold of a business owner, I've gotten 100% of them to say yes to that because how do you say no to that? You know, we're, we're going out there reaching out to the same group. So that's the difference of a warm call. Um, other ways to get warm calls, find, uh, find people on your LinkedIn connections, expand your LinkedIn network, go, you know, find people that you already know, friends, family, past clients, and ask for referrals. You should always be asking for referrals. And what you're doing is you're building up what I call a prospect list. Okay, so that's tip number one is to really understand um, how to build your list. And there's a lot more things that I dive in a little bit deeper, but that's kind of the tip of the iceberg. Um, step number two, day number two, um, I like to use I like I like to say it this way. Use Jedi mind tricks on the phone. All right. I'm not really trying to trick or manipulate anyone. However, what I will teach you is how to tune into the one radio station that everyone is tuned into. Do you know what uh, radio station that is, John? No. W-I-I-F-M. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard that way of putting it, but yeah, yeah. I know, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. What's in it for me? Yes. Everyone is walking around thinking 99% of the time thinking about it. So in order to do that, it's going back to writing those list of questions, writing down engaging questions, and you need to write down open-ended questions, not closed-ended questions. So what's the difference of an open-ended question? Open-ended question is saying – for example, how did you get your business started, right? And now you're going to have that person, that prospect elaborate. Oh, well, I started, you know, back in, you know, 10 years ago. And they elaborate versus saying something, um, did you get, you know, versus, okay, here's a closed-ended example. Have you been in business for a long time? Well, the prospect can immediately just say yes or no. And then just, you don't open them up. Do you see the difference in an open-ended and a closed-ended question? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that would be day, day two, as I talk about, is really figuring out how to tap into what's in it for me. Okay? Building rapport is another way. You know, start off a conversation casual. You know, dive in. Say, say hey, how, how was your day today? Um, you know, small talk a little bit. And genuinely try to get – because people buy from people that they like. 
Think of the last time you bought something from someone. You probably liked the person. You didn't absolutely hate them. Otherwise, you wanted to bought from them. <laughs> so in order to do that, you got to build rapport. You got to really just, just keep it light, keep it fun, keep it casual, relate to the person. Because bottom line, yes, you're in a sales meeting, but we're all people. We're here to connect. We're here to have fun. We're here to just understand each other. And I think that's, that's a, a very important thing to consider. Okay. Mm. So that's day two that I go in. Day three, go for the close. You got to qualify the leads and you got to ask for the sale. You got to ask things like what's in your budget? You know, do you really, are, are you the decision maker? Can you make a decision on this? Yeah. Right. And then you got to ask for the sale. You, it's, it's such a simple thing that we were talking about earlier, John, but people, this is where they choke up. You got to just say, and there's, there's a couple ways you can say it. You can say things like, let's move forward with this proposal or are you ready to get started? You know, it sounds like this is, you're really going to, you're truly going to benefit from X, Y, Z. Let's do this. Why not give it a shot? You know, just this lingo of just asking for the sale and then overcoming any type of objections that they bring up and continuing that conversation and, and closing that deal. Exactly. I love it. Mate, you're a wealth of knowledge. This has been good. <laughs> Glad to hear it, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping some people in your audience right now uh, are listening and uh, can take some action. The one thing I can tell anyone that is listening right now, I mean, literally put down what you're listening to. You, none of this is going to work if you don't take it into action. So what I would say is if you're struggling, you got to just go out there and make a phone call. It's so much when you're a business owner, especially so easy to procrastinate. Like call one person today. As soon as you're done listening, call the first person you can think of that you think you can create a sales meeting. You don't have to sell them right there and then, but say, hey, I'd like to set up a meeting and, and talk a little bit more about, ask them. Don't say, I don't want to talk about my product or service. Say, hey, I want to talk about you. I want to see what you're doing right now for your business. Or I want to see what, what you're doing in your life. Let's, let's talk about that. Do that today. I love it. Take action. Homework. There you go. You get some homework. <laughs> Before we go, David, if people want to get in touch with you, they want to learn more about you, I'm sure there's going to be someone or a few people or a handful of people, a whole bunch of people maybe, who would like to talk to you about consulting or the one-on-one training. I know you do some coaching and also probably some services and products as well. So where's the best place for them to learn more about all that stuff? Yeah, yeah. So I, I do one-on-one -on -one consulting. I actually do group training as well, online group training. It's a little bit more affordable and I make it very team-oriented. It's very fun. I, I want it. I, I really love and I really I, I understand the power of a team. You can do so much better. Uh, and then I have a community, right? So I have all these different products and services uh, up to my one-on-one -on -one consulting. If anyone's interested, um, I actually can give you a free training video. If you go to my website, nitrosalesteam.com backslash free. Okay. So that's nitro, N-I-T-R-O, salesteam.com backslash free. And I'll give you a, a free training video on how to qualify a lead in under 10 minutes. Perfect. All of links to that in the show notes at themethod.com. David, thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah. Thanks, John. It's been a pleasure. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast, sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more.